Timothy 3.16-17 All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says, for instruction in righteousness. I'm not sure if I have ever heard a pastor teach on how to speak the truth. I find that to be missing the mark. Ever hear a pastor teach on how to avoid hypocrisy? I've actually heard pastors speak, or a pastor rather, speak about hypocrisy as if it is unavoidable, therefore justifying or excusing it or condoning it. We all make mistakes, and my teaching will surely have error in it. This is another reason we must work together using the Bible, Spirit, and each other to learn the truth. In order for me to make righteous adjustments in speaking the truth, I must identify my own deceptive thinking. To reduce hypocrisy, I must see the hypocrisy within myself, then make righteous adjustments. As I shared in other podcasts, when I looked at the greatest commandment, and thought about how well I was living that out, I realized I was not given my all. I judged the church for not teaching how to perform this or having people demonstrate how to do it. But then I looked at my own thoughts and actions and realized I wasn't doing it. And I guess I decided I was being a hypocrite for judging others for not doing it when I wasn't doing it either. I just didn't want to do it alone. I didn't want to be the leader in it. So I committed to gradually improve in the great commandment of God. The bottom line is that we must be progressively growing with God's righteousness. That's what the Bible says to do. We are to continue to improve toward what is perfect and grow more into that perfection. It's not only achievable to improve in kindness, truth, love, but God commands it. Most people I encounter will not give themselves over to such growth continuously. My experience is very much like the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. People can be quick to read, observe, and listen, but resist new developing action. You may pick up in my podcasts and website how I am emphasizing transformative action through experience. There are many reasons for this, and that would take up a whole series of podcasts in itself. For now, I will just share briefly how inaction toward progressive growth is destructive. If I did not heed to seek and experience God's righteousness, I would be dead or in jail. And if I did not continue to grow, if I chose to settle, to fit in with what the crowd does, for mainstream participation, my marriage would be suffering, and I would have inner turmoil. In the beginning, my character was so destructive, I engaged in illegal activity and surrounded myself around dangerous people. Ten years later, I was fitting in with the law and was a successful adult with a job, savings account, house, car, wife, etc., but I was emotionally detached and feeling empty. As a nonconformist, it was easy for me to see beyond the crowd, group, and church to find answers. Just to clarify about being a nonconformist, 
I just think outside of the box and I try to think of how things can be improved. Sometimes that means I identify errors. And much of the time, the crowd does not want to change. They don't want to improve. They're happy with the way things are. And my wanting change when the crowd doesn't want change, I think, I guess, that leads me to be a nonconformist. When I made my decision to change, I was in a Bible study. I read what the book said to do and immediately would see how the groups were not doing it. Using the ideas behind the scientific method, I developed a theory that if I align myself more with what the book said to do, despite what others might think, that my life, both inwardly and outwardly, would improve. I was to submit myself to the test. And over the past 15 years, I slowly put into practice more and more what the Bible says to do. It would have made my journey easier had I a teacher who knew through experience what the Bible says to do. We are to test and examine our teachers to ensure they are indeed teaching righteousness. I am witnessing right now a church going through the hiring process. They are interviewing applicants for a youth pastor position and have selected graduates from universities. This church has been teaching about transformation. I would think personal transformation experience would be a top priority. But none of the applicants shared with the congregation on Sunday's interviews about any transformative experience. I mentioned inquiring transformation via the live feed chat, but no one seemed to respond. How did Jesus select teachers? I don't see where Jesus evaluated credentials or education. Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They had been with a teacher of God's righteousness, someone who demonstrated it. Uneducated and untrained men were made Apostles. Luke 6.40 A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. When selecting teachers, I believe we should keep this in mind. How well is our teacher transforming into Christ-likeness? How have they transformed into Christ-likeness? If our goal is to transform, we need teachers who have transformed to where we can sense it clearly. But then we cannot sense what we do not know. So we also will need others who have experienced transformation to help us discern good teachers. I believe Jesus looks straight at the person to analyze their character and faith to determine who would be a good candidate. I believe Jesus discerned a person's faith and their character and their willingness. It takes someone who has walked the walk themselves to be able to discern. I challenge people with difficult questions. I like to test with uncomfortable questions to bring to light the character of the person I am with. This is often socially awkward, but effective. Few people honestly want to change and get real about spiritual inward development. So I like to just get right to it to see who will stick around.
John 6:41 through 71 describes Jesus sharing hard teaching, which brings many disciples to leave. Transformation involves a heavy choice of dedication to God, and each of us needs to convince ourselves to commit to the process. Without the commitment, little growth can occur. We need teachers who have transformed and can share details about their transformation experience. My experience is shared in bits and pieces throughout the Inward Authority podcast episodes. One more crucial point about teaching Christian behavior. We need to set the bar higher. We are to train excellence, not mediocrity. The Bible emphasizes us to grow in righteousness, not settle with worldly expectations. Jesus spoke against mainstream religious ideas. Paul wrote letters to correct and improve the churches. We are either moving in correction and growth or not. In my experience with everyone I have encountered over the past 30 years while pursuing the spiritual development through trial and error, it's been proven time and time again that if we are not growing with God, we are growing with spiritual destruction. There is a popular description of this in the book Alcoholics Anonymous on page 129. It says, Father feels he has struck something better than gold. For a time he may try to hug the new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load which will pay dividends only if he minds it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product. The rewards of being with God is to live or comes through our participation in doing God's will by being right with God, by being in God's righteousness. Spiritual growth, whether in good or in evil, is subtle and slow to develop. It is difficult to notice immediate results. The effects take time to create change. To create trust in others, we need to be honest and reliable for a while. To build love where hurt exists involves mercy, compassion, and love to be given freely over time. Spiritual development is a process that begins with how we orient our thoughts. Are we setting our minds and hearts to grow into God's righteousness or toward other ungodly things? Romans 5, 3-4 And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. James 1, 14-15 But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. These things involve a process, and it involves time perseverance, and continuance. The Bible provides many examples of how we need love, mercy, and forgiveness. God commands it. And we need discipline. We need to say no to evil thoughts and say yes to pursuing righteous ones. We will need to seek inward understanding of how God's righteousness is good through action and conversations. Yet we ought to seek out conversations with others who have transformed. It may be difficult to learn how to transform with people who have never transformed or have transformed very little. 
Some teachers may try to sugarcoat or soften messages to avoid people leaving. I believe such a message may raise a congregation with a malfunctioning faith. Jesus spoke the truth boldly with love, and many were hurt by it. Matthew 19, 21-22 Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The man felt hurt. Let's compare our faith with those in the Bible to test ourselves for how we are growing in it. If our faith is going to be right or righteous, then it ought to be growing more in alignment to the examples of people with righteous faith in the Bible. Congregations will probably only aspire to transform as far as the leader. And let me be clear, the leader is the one teaching. If someone is teaching and declares they are not a leader, but it is God, that just doesn't make sense. The teacher or pastor who speaks lessons to a congregation formulates a message in attempt to convince others toward a particular action. Anyone at a church who provides direction or assistance is some form of leader. I don't believe we can lead many people to God without demonstration of how to get there. We need practical experience. Do as I say, not as I do, just isn't righteous teaching. For some, I am a leader. I will emphasize over and over that we must learn from God in the Bible, but the truth is, some will still see me as a benchmark. This is another reason I press myself to give in more to godly instruction. The more experience I can share, the more likely others are to grow from it. One message I would hear from people in meetings is, you can only take someone as far as you have gone. That means I cannot help someone with spiritual transformation if I have not done the work myself. And in my experience over the past 30 years, I have encountered many people in meetings who talk the talk, but do not or no longer walk the walk. We must discern carefully to see who is really giving themselves over to God's righteousness to be transformed by it. Spiritual development is a matter of life and death. We can die in bits and pieces in our relationships, sanity, hearts, and souls. These bits and pieces can change subtly without our awareness. We must examine ourselves in continuous attention to the process. We must measure our productivity with God's righteousness while taking simple steps toward improvement. I believe we all can benefit tremendously through practicing God's righteousness in increasing measure. I believe we will also need to collaborate with others about the process. Our minds can believe doubt, defensiveness, fear, resentment, and many things to convince us away from sincere, honest service to God. If we can commit ourselves to follow and obey more and more God's righteous ways, we can grow and experience the love and peace God promises us. We can learn to feel content in all things. We can experience love and belonging with others. We can know God's righteousness, share from our experience, and save souls. We can do this if we can see how it works through our inward participation and seeking it out. We can grow our faith in God through exploring God's goodness more and more each day. We can experience godly good 
if we can choose to give ourselves over to it continuously. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. Mm-hmm.